0: Today's scripture reading is Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love being of one accord of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out, not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross." Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Philippians 2,
1: 1-11. Thank you. Let's, uh, let's play a game real quick. Okay, let's, uh, let's call it 20 questions. Okay, I'm thinking of something in this room that I am. I am something in this room. Go ahead, ask me a question.
0: Are you a person?
1: No. (laughs) No. (laughs) You got 19 more. Keep (laughs) going.
0: Something in this room?
1: Yes, in this room.
0: Is it an object?
1: Um, uh, yes. Eighteen more.
0: <laughs> Is it something being used right now? Yes. Is it a piece of furniture?
1: No. No.
0: Is it some form of book? No. Does it have substance?
1: Yes. Fourteen more questions. Is it air? No. Thirteen.
0: Can I get help?
1: You can ask a friend if you want. A a don't phone <laughs>
0: Well, I don't have my phone on me. Good. Can you touch it? Yes. Can you pick it up? Yes. Is it on the wall? No.
1: (laughs) Ten more questions.
0: Is it something someone has on them? No. (laughs) So it's an object.
1: Yes. Substance. Yes.
0: That can be picked up. Yes. And used. Yes. That is in this room. Yes. That people are using right now.
1: Uh, yes.
0: <laughs> is it visible right now?
1: Yes. Nine more.
0: Does it make, do you, am I holding it?
1: No, that's a good guess though. But no.
0: <laughs> Does it make noise?
1: Uh, yeah, a little bit. large
0: could I hold it in one hand
1: uh yes I'd rather you not but yes
0: <laughs> it's an object yes but you would rather me not be holding
1: <laughs> on one hand' I'd like you to use two hands but yes okay <laughs>
0: It's in this room, so it couldn't be a sword unless a one of you has a sword. Five more. vegetable, yeah. Well, we are. It's an. I know. I'm yeah. It's an object. Ish thing. Yes is it like hard or is it squishy no it's hard hard breakable yes is it valuable
1: uh to me it is yes two more you're running out of questions girl
0: will you spring this on me
1: i'm sorry <laughs> I was afraid to ask for volunteers. I was afraid of who I'd get.
0: <laughs> You'd probably get Granny Jean up here. <laughs> it's okay.
1: Two more. Um,
0: is it something I can see right now? Yes. One more. Of your electronics over
1: there? Yes. Okay,
0: so it's probably the computer. No. No. Well, then I'm out of questions. To okay. Just tell
1: me. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, when you're playing 20 questions, what do you have to do? You've got to narrow it down. Okay, so with her questions, she did very well. She got all the way down and she could have picked the projector, which would be it. Okay, always carry it with two hands. Okay, the projector is it. But to get there, you've got to narrow the questions down. And you've got to get it specific. Now what Paul's going to do in the passage today is he's going to play 20 questions with the Romans. And he's going to narrow things down so that there is no doubt who he's talking about. No doubt who he's talking about. You ready? Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Oh my. Book of Romans, chapter 1. Romans, chapter 1. Now he's going to down. You've got to be ready for this. Look at verse 1. Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, sent apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scripture. What is the object that Paul is talking about in verses 1 and 2? It's not rhetorical. Yes, what's the Old Testament talking about? What's the Old Testament pointing to? The gospel, the, gospel the gospel of God. The gospel of God. The gospel of God. Now, look at verse 3. Concerning his son who was born and a descendant of David according to the flesh, what is Paul pointing to as the gospel of God? Uh, uh, not specifically. What's verse 3 say? What's that? No. More specific than that, God's Son. See that? Concerning his son. In other words, everything in the Old Testament talked about Jesus Christ, God's son. Everything in the New Testament talked about Jesus Christ, God's son. Everything pointed to his son. Everything pointed to his son. Everything pointed to his son. son. Now, Paul is trying to get the Romans to think specifically about God's son. I cut out an article. It was several years ago. It was back in the 19-something, 1980, 1990, 19-something. And I cut out an article. It was an article about how many messiahs there were in the world. There were thousands, and I think it was like 2,300 people who claimed to be the Messiah. That is the problem Paul's having with the Romans. He's trying to narrow it down, not from thousands, down to one. And he's going to use some questions, some accusations, some points, some qualifications, some characteristics to make sure that you understand the one person he's talking about. He's going to play 20 questions with you. And he's going to give you 20 answers eh, that will point to just one person. And he's going to get it so narrow that it couldn't possibly be any of those that were in the article. I looked up Wikipedia. Wikipedia had, <laughs> oh my goodness, it was it was hysterical. Wikipedia, where'd it go in my notes? I want to get it exactly. Oh. Uh, Oh, come on. It was right here a minute ago. Oh, my goodness. Why can't I find it when I want to look for it? Well, we'll just keep going then. That's fine. We don't we're not you're not rushing to a restaurant, so it's okay. Okay, 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 okay. Oh my goodness, I'll come to it. There's a number of people that claim to be Messiah, that's recorded in Wikipedia. They claim to be the Jewish Messiah. And Paul doesn't want you to get confused. He doesn't want the Romans to get confused. He doesn't want you to think of someone else as the Messiah. He wants you to look at one person. Last week... We talked about the gospel of God. This week, we're going to find out who the gospel of God is. I want you to look at both of these verses emphasize the deity of Jesus Christ. They're describing Jesus Christ as the Jewish Messiah. He came to look for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. What is the gospel of God? What is the gospel of God? First question. First question. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the gospel message. Jesus Christ is the center of the message of the gospel. Every Bible is about Jesus Christ. Passage is about Jesus Christ. It points you to one person who is the Messiah of the world. He is the Messiah who is claimed by the Bible to center the gospel message upon. If you go out this week and you talk to somebody about Jesus Christ, what you are actually doing is you're witnessing to Him. You are sharing the good news of God, the gospel of God. You are sharing it when you talk about Jesus Christ. First phrase, concerning His Son. Concerning His Son, of statement of Deity. A statement of deity. His Son. In the entire scripture, all talking about Jesus Christ. Although He Himself is God, He is the Son of God. He is the essence of God. He takes the role as the Son of God. There is no good news about salvation unless it comes about Jesus Christ. God deals with God's God's gospel deals with God's son and it does so from the beginning. Here it is Wikipedia had a list of 39 39 people who claim to be the Messiah. They listed them all. I got tired of reading them so I did not read them all. 39 people who claim today to be the Messiah. But, there's proof of the Messiah. And we're going to look at that proof right now. And I want you to notice how specific Paul gets with the answer to the question. What must the true Messiah do in order to fulfill the Old Testament prophecies? What must the true Messiah do in order to fulfill the Old Testament prophecies? Number one. The son must come into the world. The son must come into the world. Notice the first phrase. Who was born? Who was born? Aorist tense. He had to come at a period of time and be born. He had to become human. He had to literally come to be. He had to be truly a man. He had to have a historical beginning. The Son of God came into human history at a point in time. His human nature resulted from genuinely participating with the human family. The Son of Man, (laughs) the Son of God, the Son, had to lay aside some divine nature to put on a physical nature. He did not remove the divine nature, but he had to control it in order to put on the human nature. He who was God became man without ceasing to be God. He still was God. He descended (coughs) nothing else than into a servant form, a human condition he put on, and he became a kinsman of yours. He became somebody related to you. He became somebody who was one of you. The son became one of you. He was born. Second, what must the true Messiah do in order to fulfill the Old Testament prophecies? Number two, the son must be a grandson of King David. The son must be a grandson of King David to be your kinsman. The prophecies in the Old Testament are numerous. The Messiah was going to come and be the son of David. David was promised an everlasting kingdom. It's going to be fulfilled by the Messiah. The son who came and took on human form had to be related to King David. If he was not a descendant of David, he would not have been the Messiah because the prophecies would not have been fulfilled. His title, Jesus Christ, became the Messiah, a descendant of David, son of David, son of David, the rights to restore the kingdom on earth. The Messiah therefore had to come from the Jews. Romans chapter 9. The gospel went to the Jews first, Romans chapter 2. The promises made to Jewish people to be fulfilled in chapters 9, 10, and 11. The Gentiles would remember the Jewish roots of the gospel, Romans 11. Jesus, the son of David, fulfilled the promises made by the Old Testament in regard to a future son of David on the throne. He had to be related to King David. By the way, that requirement alone will take care of those 39 people. They do not fulfill. Third, what must the Messiah do in order to fulfill the Old Testament prophecies? Third, the son must have a human nature. Must have a human nature. So he could be your kinsman. According to the flesh. See verse 3. According to the flesh, his real humanity came alongside his real deity. His deity had to be applied to his humanity. Applied to Christ cannot be any other than human nature entirely except for a sin nature. All that is human is in him, spirit, soul, and body. The word flesh carries the idea of weakness. From pre existing as God, he was power and he took on weakness, becoming a human, taking on flesh. It implies, of course, that he has another nature to go with that human nature, he has a divine nature. Jesus Christ was God who became man without ceasing to be God, without a change in his deity. Romans 8.3 says, The law could not do weak as it was through the flesh. God did, sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. The Son had to be born into humanity. Had to be related to King David. Had to be put in on flesh. Had to have a human nature. He had all of that. Now those three things would be enough for us. But wait, there's more. And in my opinion, more important things had to happen for him to be the Messiah. And these items that are now going to be listed are more important, I think, than his human nature. But because of his human nature, he can relate to us. But his divine nature had to be seen as well. Verse 4. Who was declared Son of God with the power of the resurrection from the dead according to the Spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus Christ our Lord. How does God decisively give proof that Jesus Christ is the one true Messiah? You have proof given to you by the Old Testament, all answered by Jesus Christ. Everything required in the Old Testament, Jesus did. But now there has to be some divine proof given from God the Father to make sure that we know who His Son is. You ready? This is good. This is worth the price of mission. Here it comes. This will be the ride you'll be talking about tomorrow. Here you come. How does God decisively give proof... That Jesus Christ is the one true Messiah. First, the Son must be decisively declared to be divine. He must be decisively declared to be divine in order to be the Messiah. He has to be your kinsman and he has to be your Messiah. Who was declared the Son of God. See declared there? It's a very important word. Eris tense. Eris passive, actually. He can't do it to himself. He's declared by God the Father. Declared is a word that we translate into English, horizon. Horizon. It is where you looked to determine where the earth ends and the sky begins. It decides decisively what begins and where it begins. You see the horizon? Below it is land. You see the horizon, above it is the sky. And you make a decision which is which by looking at the horizon. This is how you draw a division between two people. This is how you decide whether those 39 guys in Wikipedia are the Messiah or whether Jesus Christ is the Messiah. By the way, Jesus wasn't on that list. Wasn't that funny? Here you go. The other nature that Jesus Christ had had to be decisively declared. It had to be as easy as seeing where the land ends and where the sky begins. The life of Jesus set him apart from all other people, including the 39 in Wikipedia. Decisively declared, not became but decisively declared what he he was. Here we go. Number two. How does God decisively give proof that Jesus Christ is the one true Messiah? Number two. The Son must be decisively declared to be the Son of God. To be the Messiah. He has to be the Son of God. Without the article... In the original languages, it's written, so it seems to indicate the character of the person. He had to have the character of the Son of God. He had to be the person with the that the Son of God would have. He claimed while he was on earth that God was his father. Matter of fact, that was why the Pharisees tried to kill him. Because he declared that God was his father and that he was God's son. The unique sonship of Jesus Christ had to be clear to other people. Had to be clear as the distinction between land and sky. The natural item of the term of the Son of God, therefore, is sustained in a relationship to God in his nature, which is implied an equality with God. So, Jesus Christ came. He was born. And then he began his ministry. And with the baptism of John the Baptist, (laughs) the first time of ministry, he was announced by a voice from heaven to be the Son of God. And from that point on, for the rest of the three years or four years, however long you think the ministry lasted, he had to declare himself to be the Son of God. He was deity. He was divine. He had a relationship with God in a father-son relationship. He had to prove that he was the Son of God. John chapter 20 verse 31 talks about having been written so that you may believe that Jesus Christ is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So life comes through his name because he is the son of God, divine. How does God decisively give proof that Jesus Christ is the one true Messiah? Three, notice what it says, declared, to the, who is declared the son of God with power. The third thing, the son must be decisively declared to be powerful, to be the Messiah. He had to declare with power. That's the word for dynamite. That's the word that means power. That means power more than anyone else on earth. How did he prove that? There was a number of ways he did that. One was in the miracles he performed. Did you notice that he did more miracles in the beginning of his three years than at the end of his three years? He did more miracles in the beginnings to show himself to be the Messiah. He healed... Lepers. Remember what he did with the first leper group? He sent them where? He sent them to the priest. Because that was a sign that the Messiah was here. Cleansing the lepers. And the lepers didn't do it. They were disobedient. But the sign of healing lepers. Of blindness. All the miracles that Jesus did. All were supposed to be proof not of his power but of the power of God. Showing that he was divine. Showing that he was the son of God. Showing that he was powerful. Power modifies the son of God. Jesus did the work that was predicted in the Old Testament that the Messiah would do. His whole life decisively declared his power. And it climaxed in the resurrection. Where he claimed that he would be raised on the third day. And the power over death was proven. Acts chapter 10 says, you know, Jesus, who is Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. And how he went about doing good and healing all of those oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. He had power. He has power and he still has power. And that power can change things. And when he comes into a person's life, he changes that life. And he shows his power again, and again, and again. Fourth, how does God decisively give proof that Jesus Christ is the one true Messiah? The Son must be decisively declared to be alive. He has to be alive. Death cannot hold him. Uh, There was on that list of 39, there were some people that had died already. And guess what? By their death, not being alive, they prove they're not the Messiah. Not only are they not related to King David, but anyway, go on. You have to be alive. To be the son of God, you cannot be controlled by anything, let alone death. He had to declare himself somehow perfectly alive. And he did that through the resurrection. The resurrection is the crown of God's work of salvation. The resurrection validated all his claims and showed victory over death and sin. His human nature was raised from being dead. The resurrection of Jesus Christ did not make Him the Son of God, but decisively declared Him the Son of God. (sighs) That He was and always had been the Son of God. The resurrection only decisively declared what He truly was. Resurrection. What He truly was. Fifth. Who is... The Messiah. How did God decisively give proof that Jesus Christ was the one true Messiah? According to the spirit of holiness, according to the spirit of holiness, the Son must be decisively declared to be holy. He must be decisively declared to be holy. Now, I'll give you a, a true understanding of what this phrase is talking about. Spirit of holiness. Spirit of holiness. Some people think this is talking about the Holy Spirit. Okay? They think that that's a title for the Holy Spirit. And if it's a title of the Holy Spirit, then Jesus Christ had to have the Holy Spirit. Now, we have a number of proofs in the New Testament that he did things by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I think that clearly shows that he had the Spirit of holiness. Now, the spirit of holiness can't be proven it's talking about the Holy Spirit. Some people think that the spirit of holiness is talking about Jesus' divine nature, that his divine nature was holy. Now, again, they don't have any proof of this either, because there's no other verse talking about the spirit of holiness. So, when you have a word and it's not used anywhere else in the Bible, what do you do? What do you do? You look, no, (laughs) you look, you look at the context of where the word is. Now, notice where this word is, Spirit of Holiness. It's right in the middle of a passage talking about who? The Son of God, Jesus Christ, the resurrection. So it seems to be related to Jesus Christ. That's why I take the view that the spirit of holiness is talking about Jesus' divine nature. Jesus' divine nature. Again, verse 4 seems to be talking about his divine. Verse 3 talks about his humanity. His humanity was related to King David. He was born. He had uh, everything according to the flesh. He was human. And then verse 4 talks about everything divine. He had a divine nature, a divine relationship with holiness. He was completely, 100% holy. 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 There was not one sin ever committed by Jesus Christ. Because one sin would make him what? Not holy. He lived a life that showed a divine nature completely without sin. He lived by a spirit of holiness. Jesus decisively declared himself to be the Messiah by his holiness. The contrast here is between the outward and the inward. Verse 3 is talking about the outward. Verse 4 is talking about the inward. Jesus Christ lived his life completely and perfectly holy. God as a spirit and divine nature of Christ. His spirit is characterized by the quality of holiness. Everything that Jesus did was holy. 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 Now, I found one phrase that's close. You want to, you want to know? Yes. Good. Turn to Isaiah chapter 35. Isaiah chapter 35. Turn there. If you close your Bible and open it up right to the middle, you may get to Isaiah. That may be the fastest way to get there. Isaiah. I will continue saying Isaiah until you all get there. <laughs> Isaiah, chapter 35. Isaiah. A good book written by a guy named Isaiah. Isaiah. Isaiah 35, almost in the middle of the book. Verse 8, verse 8. This is talking about the end of the tribulation period. This is a prediction of the future. At the end of the tribulation, where Jesus sets up his kingdom, notice what it says in verse 8. A highway will be there, a roadway. And it will be called the highway of holiness. The unclean will not travel on it because they are judged at the end of the tribulation. But it will be for him who walks in that way of holiness. The fool will not wander onto it. Why? Because he's judged at the end of the tribulation period. But the millennial kingdom... When you have holiness on this earth and you have King Jesus ruling, he will rule in holiness. And the first thing he will do is he will take all the people of the world, holy, especially the Jews, and he'll take them on a highway to Israel, to Zion, and he will take them to Jerusalem. So, here we have a passage talking about Jesus and a highway of holiness. Why? Because the Messiah will be holy. holy. Messiah will be holy. And in his kingdom he will not tolerate unholiness. Matter of fact, it seems like there will be discipline in the kingdom of God. Where that the people with an earthly body who make it into the end of the tribulation. And make it into the kingdom of God. If they do sin, they will be judged immediately for that sin. And they will come in a highway of holiness, which will be the saved people that will be holy now. The one-third of Israel that will be holy now will come into New Jerusalem. And the highway is reserved for the redeemed. And they'll walk in and they'll approach and Jesus will show them the way on the highway of holiness. Jesus will lead them. And his holy worshipers will follow him and they'll go up to Jerusalem. Remember another king that did that? Oh, come on. You remember King David? He went to get the uh, Obed-Edom's house and got the, the Ark of the Covenant. And he put on a priestly garment and he danced and they brought the ark in. Remember, Saul's daughter didn't like how he was dancing. You don't, you don't look like a king when you're dancing like that. Well, one day, Jesus will bring you into New Jerusalem at the end of the tribulation, and you'll walk into the kingdom, and you'll be... There will be joy on the highway... Of holiness with Jesus, who is the ultimate holiness. And Jesus will be following the example of King David, and he'll lead the presence of God, which will be Jesus, into Jerusalem. Sound of music and joy will be all along the way to Jerusalem, (laughs) and they will take the remnant of Israel and those that are sealed. From the tribulation wrath and bring them into the new kingdom. Go back to Romans chapter 1, verse 4. There's one more thing we've got to look at that proves Jesus Christ is the Messiah. One more critical thing, one more cornerstone thing we have to make sure we understand. Who was declared the Son of God with power? With power. By the resurrection from the dead, his human nature had to die. According to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. How does God decisively give proof that Jesus Christ is the one true Messiah? How how does he do it? Because the Son must be decisively declared to be the one and only Lord, to be the Messiah. The one and only Lord. He has to be Jesus Christ, the Lord. He had to be Jesus, the man who saves them. He had to be Christ, the Messiah, the high priest, the king. He had to be Lord. He had to be God. He had to be sovereign ruler. He had to be the sovereign ruler of the universe. He has to be master. He has to be the one master the Lord. The message centers on Jesus Christ our Lord, the Redeemer, the King, the Master. Peter concludes from Jesus' resurrection of the dead that God made him both Lord and Christ in Acts chapter 2. Lord and Christ. He's the Messiah and he's Lord. He is the one in charge. He is now in heaven, the right hand of God. He is in charge. He is Lord. It's amazing in the New Testament, you you see the word Lord a number of times before in the book of Acts and the Gospels. But then in the epistles, you see it all the time, massively. Whenever after the resurrection, you see Jesus Christ always given the title Lord. In Romans, he's given the title Lord 44 times. He's given the title, Lord, 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 because He's the one and only Lord. And God did it (laughs) by the ascension of Jesus Christ to the right hand of God. He is Lord. He is Lord. He is Lord. How I would apply this message, this passage, I would be confident about my salvation. I would be confident in my evangelism. Knowing for certain that those 39 guys written up in Wikipedia are not the Messiah. That there is only one Lord, one Messiah, one resurrected from the dead, one who is the Son of God, one who is declared to be divine, one who has power everything, there was only one God, and that God is Jesus Christ. He is the one. Now, we just got done playing 20 questions. Who is the Messiah? Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, the question that really matters is, is, is He your Lord? Is He your Messiah? Because if you... I got a bouquet yesterday. I got it on my desk. A bouquet. You know what I got? Wheat and tares. A bouquet of wheat and... Tears. Now, of course, I'm a city boy. I've never seen before in my life tears. Never would have known it. But I had a bouquet of wheat and tears. You know what I figured out? That a tear looks just like wheat. But there's one difference. There's absolutely no fruit on a tear fruit on a wheat not fruit on a tear if jesus christ is your lord somebody can look at your life and see fruit now if i look at your life and i don't see fruit that means something different that means you're a tear That means Jesus Christ is not your Lord. He's not your master. You may go to a church, but you may not claim him as your Lord. You may not do what he says. You may not be a bondservant. You may not believe in the gospel of God. You may not be a believer in Jesus Christ. And I tell, you tell, by fruit. Because you're in that base in my office. You're either wheat, or you're a tear. Which are you, Father? I think. You in your word, I pray, Father, you would help us to understand how important this passage is. Who Jesus Christ is. Help us to understand, Father, that all the answers that we possibly can have are answered by the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus, born. Descendant of David, according to the flesh. Father, I pray that we would understand that Jesus is also divine. Also the Son of God. Also powerful. Also alive. Also holy. And he's the one and only Lord. I pray, Father, that he would be Lord of every life in this room. And I pray, Father, for the people that he's not Lord of, that they would come to know Jesus Christ today and start producing fruit in keeping with repentance. I pray, Father, you would work on our lives and our hearts for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.